0: Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the All Things Sleep and Parenting podcast. Today I have Pam. Hello. And myself, Elisa. And we are joining here to talk about night Night. terrors. Those terrors in the night. And this is a big topic among some families because it can be very scary and freaky when you walk in and your child is having a night terror
1: yes now big difference between nightmare and night terror the biggest way or the the clearest way of knowing the difference between the two if you can walk into your room and your child is screaming and they are looking at you and calling for you or they look like they are like looking through you that's a night terror they have no idea that you're there Whereas a nightmare, when we're looking at a nightmare, your little one is most likely going to be calling your name again. But when you go in the room this time, they are going to recognize that you're there. They're going to see you. They're going to start telling you what's happening. They're going to start saying other words, right? Um, There's a big difference between night terror and nightmare. Night terror, they have no idea that you're there it is scary, they're yelling for you, they're looking through you. Uh, Whereas nightmare, they do know that you are present and and are coherent.
0: So this is always one way that I knew whether my son was actually having a night terror or just waking up in the night, having a nightmare sort of situation. Mm -hmm. So I would go into his room. And I would, you know, usually there was a, a type of cry that he was doing, but sometimes it wasn't always as shrill as other times. So what I do is I would walk in and I would, you know, let him know that I was there. Um, But then if I kind of saw that he was not really looking at me, not really responding to the fact that I had walked into his room, then I would like almost get really like, into his face a little bit and just not right into his face. I obviously give him a little bit of space, <laughs> but, um, I would look into his face and I would just say his name very calmly or whatever, or I would kind of like wave my hand in front of his face. And if he would follow my hand and look at me at that point, then I knew, okay, it's a nightmare or he just woke up and he's unhappy for whatever reason. Um, but if he wasn't even looking at me at that point or he was looking right through me, then that's when I knew and he was still crying,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, hysterically or whatever. At that point, then I knew that, OK, we're we're in night terror territory right here.
1: There are some common causes that can be contributed that can be contributing to night terrors Our big one, especially as. Sleep consultants. We're going to be looking at their schedule and how tired they are. So, a child who's completely off schedule, who's really struggling with an inconsistent schedule um, or lack of schedule in general, they are going to have a higher chance of becoming overtired, um, and which can cause night terrors. Overtired, overtired is the same thing. Overtired could be traveling, could be you know just an overtired, a really busy, stimulating day you know, it was like an exhaustion, they crashed in the car, we, you know, transferred them to the house, that can cause um, night terrors as well. Uh, In my case, for my daughter, it was food intolerances and food allergies that was causing our um, night terrors. And then of course, there are some medical things as well. So when it comes to night terrors, we definitely, um, and we're going to talk through some of the steps that we can take, but we we definitely want to take some of those easy things that we have control over so that schedule.
0: a big change in their life perhaps you just moved and their schedule is thrown off because of the move or just they're getting used to a new place a new bed new surroundings new sibling um new child care if they're so like that
1: stress can also be a contributing factor to um night terrors and I know that we say it's funny to think that little guys have stress, but they absolutely do. Like Lisa said, the big moves, the traveling, all of those things can cause stress on our little ones. So that's another common factor that we can kind of look at and eliminate
0: if, if we are finding that they've gone through big changes, how can we help them adjust? When it comes to night terrors, what you want to make sure that you're doing is you want to dig a little bit deeper into your little one's day. So some of those things like Pam mentioned are a little bit easier to kind of get on top of like the scheduling. That's a little bit easier to see. So that's always our starting step is to look at their schedule. Is their schedule very different from day to day? Have they had a big change in their life? Are you seeing any other signs that could be pointing to the fact that they might be having some big, big feelings or are they having outbursts? Are they, did they just have a new sibling have you moved did you travel all those things are what you want to look into first you want to make sure that you're logging all these things as well mm-hmm. because it's so hard to see what could be causing or contributing to anything if you're not if you don't have it documented because for us what what happens one day might feel like a lifetime <laughs> of things that could be happening but you know, it's it's very hard to get your mind together when you don't have it written down on a piece of paper, all in front of you so that if you are looking into foods, let's say, you at least have ruled out scheduling, you've ruled out the big change, and then you can get into those foods and cut out maybe one of the bigger allergens that they might be eating that could be contributing. Or at that point, that's when you go and take them to their family physician or even a naturopath or an alternative holistic medicine so that they can look into what is going on on the inside. Mm-hmm.
1: So when a night terror is happening, like, like we said, it can be really scary. And our first thing, our first instinct, what we want to do is to scoop them up, wake them up and kind of, kind of try and snap them out of it. And it's actually not the thing that we should be doing. Um, And I know it feels really hard because they are crying for you. They are calling for you. Um, They could, I mean, they could be doing the opposite. They could be pushing off of you. It is very child dependent on how they're going to react. But we we do know that we don't want to be waking them. Uh, that can actually cause more trauma to, to the event. It can wake them in the wrong kind of cycle. It can, it's just, it's not, it's really hard to wake them as well. So you're just kind of fighting against this whole system that's happening that isn't, it's just really tough. So what you can do, your little one wakes up screaming, you're gonna to go to their room. I always brought my husband with me because it freaked me out. <laughs> it did. It scared me. Alexa would stare right through me, and while she was calling my name, and it freaked me out. Um, so I would go up to her room, and I would I would just have to sit with her, and I just kind of you have to wait it out. Um, you can try rubbing their back a little bit. It's not really advised to even just offering that touch. Um, it's just offering that present, keeping them safe, um, and, and letting them wake up.
0: And the good thing about night terrors is that sometimes they can last a little bit longer than other times. But generally, once that night terror is through, they roll over and they go back to sleep like nothing ever happened. And for older children, they don't remember it the next day, they have no recollection of what happened the next day. So it's, you can you can be rest assured that you are doing the right thing by just being present. And I know that it goes against what your intuition is telling you to do because your child is is screaming and your child is visibly upset at that moment and so you just want to pick them up and like Pam said it can be very challenging not to but it is a lot easier on them and it it makes it last less mm-hmm. it's
1: a lot shorter if it's a lot shorter if uh, you just kind of let them get through it and it's the funniest thing too because well, it's not funny, it's more traumatic for us than it is for them, absolutely. But literally, like, screaming their head off and like, and I'm asleep. And they like roll over. And the first few times I would look at Rich and I was like, what, like, what happened? What's going on? Why is she not moving? Like, did she literally just fall asleep? Because not even half a second ago, she was screaming at the top of her lungs. And then like, she, as Elisa said, Alexa was a little bit older, so she could, talk to us the next day. And I was like, do you remember waking up last night? She was like, no, I slept great. And I was like, well, you kind of yelled at me and screaming my name. And she was like, I did not. And it turned into like this, she didn't believe us because she really genuinely wasn't remembering them when she was waking up in the morning. So hold that. If, if your little one is going through night terrors, know that, that it is harder for us to see than what they're going through.
0: With my son, when he had his very first night terror, he was quite young and we were traveling. And it was the very first time his whole schedule was thrown right off. And for him, that is when he would have his night terrors. So I always knew that when we traveled somewhere else, when his schedule was majorly thrown off that day, because that can happen sometimes when you're traveling and you don't really have control of how everything goes, I almost could guarantee that that night he would have one to potentially even three night terrors throughout the span of usually that first portion of the night. So the first time that he had one, I was, you know, we it we're even if we know what to do, we're still just experiencing this for the first time. So it can be freaky and it can be scary. And so I just kind of went into his room cuz this was a cry that I had never heard mm-hmm. before from him in his sleep. So I like rushed into the room thinking something was wrong. I scooped him up and I was trying to get him to look at me and he wasn't, he was just looking straight through me. And I thought there was something wrong, which is usually how we feel the first time that our child ever has a night terror. Even if you know what to expect, it's very different in that moment. And you kind of lose sight of what to expect. And, and that whole stress kind of takes over for us so I went in I scooped him up and I was trying to get his attention and he wasn't snapping out of it he was just crying and he was looking through me and it just looked it felt really really off and really strange to me and then all of a sudden he just stopped crying and was ready to fall back asleep but by me picking him up that did cause him to struggle a little bit more. And it did create a little bit more of that element of it being harder for him to settle. So I did see that firsthand that picking him up just wasn't the right fit for that night terror situation. So that's when I started to go into his room and assess whether it was a night terror or not. Knowing that it happened when we traveled and when he was way off of his schedule helped me because I could almost tell instantly when he would wake up on that night okay this is going to be a night terror so I could go into the room a little bit more prepared but if I wasn't sure I would always do that little test of just kind of looking at him waving my hand in front of him and if he was reaching for me if he was looking up and and seeing that I was there and reaching for me I was pretty sure at that moment that it wasn't a night terror. But if he wasn't even looking at me, he was just looking somewhere else or looking down and just not even responding to my hand in in front of him or anything, then I knew that it was a night terror and I knew how to respond so that I wasn't trying to snap him out of it because it really was easier when I didn't try and snap him out of it. And when I just let him have that you know, let him go through that while I was present. Sometimes I would just kind of say a soft, I'm right here, honey. Or, you know, I would very quietly or whatever, but I tried not to interfere as much as I possibly could because I knew that that was best at that moment. Mm -hmm.
1: It is, it's, it's, it's a really scary, especially the first couple of times and it's that cry. So Alexa was a little bit older um, she was in a bed at this point, but she, yeah, it was this very distinct cry that I was like, drop everything and you run upstairs. As she continued to do it, we are kind of like, no, it's your turn. I did it last night, but Rich okay. always just had to come with me. Uh, so we would go upstairs. I would sit in front of her on her bed, and it was really clear uh, with Alexa that it wasn't a nightmare because she was not speaking at this point. Um, she was old enough, obviously, so if it was a nightmare, I knew if I went in, she would start, Mama, I need to talk to you, I need to tell you this, or whatever, right, so she was more of that, like, just scream, and I would sit in front of her, and she, and if you're not sure, if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know if they're, like, you know, the, Pam and Lisa kept saying, looking through you, I'm not, I'm not sure if they're looking through me or not, then they probably aren't, because you... <laughs> you will know when your child is like dead staring you calling your name and like not blinking and just can't see you. And that was Alexa. She, I was like, buddy, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. And she just kept calling my name. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? Um, so for us, yeah, it was a, a lot of just I'm right here. I would listen, I would sit and then she would roll over and fall back asleep. Like it was a very strange thing it does get less scarier the the more often it happens which I mean we become desensitized to it which is kind of upsetting a little bit because your child's still really upset but it's just not as traumatizing for us um but for me the the logging was the biggest thing that was my um we were on schedule Alexa had a great slept really well uh, but for her it was her her food was a big thing uh, at her age at that point, we were really struggling with that. So for her, it was the food. So for me, tracking it was a big thing. Um, and, And that really did make a big difference.
0: If you aren't sure if it's scheduling related and if you find that it's happening at the same times every night that it does happen, One thing that you can do is you can go in there about a half an hour earlier and just kind of stir them so that you're changing them into another sleep cycle. And sometimes that can alleviate the night terror from Mm -hmm. happening at that time. So this is for those situations. And it does typically happen for some children that those night terrors will happen at the same time every day. So if you've got that 1030
1: to 11 in between there, we knew she was going to have she was going to wake up at some point in that time and start screaming.
0: So while you were working on her foods, did you
1: yeah? So I started the like 10 10, 10 15. I would go in and I would just kind of y- you want to rouse them and and again have great sleepers if you need help, restful parenting. But Alexa was a great sleeper. So I could kind of rouse her a little bit and she would it was enough to kind of like wake her. So she was like, mm, let me go back to sleep, right? Um, versus like a, hey, wake up, let's go pl- go out and play type thing. It wasn't that kind of wake up. So we're trying to not fully wake them, but wake them enough that they're like somewhat aware, can kind of put their head up, see that you're there-ish, um, but then like roll over and go back to sleep. So it's a very, it's, it, yeah, it's a very fine line between fully waking them and then not waking them enough. So it might be trial and error the first couple of times, but typically like 30-ish, 45 minutes before they would wake with that night tear going in and offering that little waking, um, that little jostle so that there's enough of a movement that they've rolled over, um, readjusted themselves that can take them out of one sleep cycle and get them started into another one. So we're breaking that kind of habitual waking um, through that sleep cycle.
0: And I think it's very important to note here that you're you're doing this in conjunction with other things that you're working on to try and curb those night terrors so this alone isn't going to stop the night terrors if your scheduling is a challenge and your child is going to bed overtired every single night and that is what's contributing to the night terrors just going in there and rousing them is not going to be the Mm -hmm. end solution you're going to want to really get on top of that schedule help them with that schedule. And then that will, you know, everything together is going to be what helps.
1: Mm-hmm. And of course, if you've been struggling with night terrors, if this is something that you're really just not sure what you're dealing with, or you're not sure what how to track or what you should be looking at, you can absolutely reach out to Elisa and I restfulparenting.com, info at restful parenting. And that's definitely part of our whole sleep. Uh, intake we want to know what's going on and how best we can help and that's definitely a way that we can help for sure thanks for joining us guys we can't wait we'll be back again next week we have another interview
0: we have some more great tips that we'll be sharing so be sure to join us and next week we are going to follow up with a nightmare podcast so we talked about night terrors today next week we're going to be talking about nightmares and how you can help your child through that Thanks for joining us on today's episode. We so
1: appreciate that you've taken that time to come and hang out with us and listen to what we have to say. If you are struggling with sleep or parenting, please know that we have loads of free information on the website um, as well as on the YouTube channel. But if after you've read through everything and you've watched those videos, if you're still struggling, know that you're not alone and that we would love to help. So be sure to check out the website www.restfulparenting.com. You'll find the link to book your free 15 minute call right there. And if you have any comments or anything you'd like to share with us, please leave them below in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks.